Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Let's get right into the Word today. We're in Acts chapter 6. We're taking a journey, a series through the book of Acts, and we're at Acts chapter 6. And um, a little bit of a different kind of message today. I'm going to talk about the church and handling conflict and problems that arise in the church. What I love about the Bible is it doesn't skip over anything. It doesn't hide anything that we may look at as negative or bad. The Bible is uh, very transparent, very open. It shares everything in it with us so we can take a look and see how, uh, how we can learn from it today. Let's look at chapter 6. And it says, now in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplying, there arose a complaint. (laughs) How many knows that that goes together? Uh, There arose a complaint against the Hebrews, the Jewish, the, the Orthodox Jews are the Hebrews here. By the Hellenists, those are the Greek cultured or Greek speaking Jews. Uh, Because the widows of the Greeks uh, were neglected in the daily distribution. So the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business." But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and into the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen. You're going to hear a lot about him coming up. He's a man, he was a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And then listen to these names. These names are very important. I'll end today with this scripture. Uh, Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius. And Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. Luke is very specific in letting us know that he is a Gentile convert. This is your first non-Jew leader in the New Testament church, is this guy right here. And uh, God is doing something. Whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them, which, which is an act of faith, and blessing and affirmation. Then the word of God spread. The number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And look at this last sentence. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Great many of the priests. Those were Pharisees. Isn't it amazing? We haven't done this in a while. And I didn't know we were going to sing this song. But our mission statement today. Perfect time. I thought we'd say our mission statement today while we're all standing. If you're new to the church or watching online, these five sentences are our mission statement as a church. They are our personal mission statement. So when we're together, we say we are the church. Let's just say them together and see how many remember. And uh, let's do it together. Ready? We are the church. We Christ and influence others to make a difference. We're called to love God and serve people. We are the church. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for that. Hallelujah. We are the church. We are the church. I am the church. Look to the person next to you and say, I am the church. 
I am the church. I am called. People always want to know, Pastor, I need to find my calling. I need to find my calling in my gift. And absolutely you do. Until God opens up the door for specific callings, we all are called to do these five things. We're called to love God. We're called to represent Christ and influence others. Okay, I'm going to leave that alone because I don't want to preach that today. Do you love being a part of the church? Do you love being a part of the body of Christ? A Christian? Just think about it. I mean, do you love it? Do you love the, the whole thing about belonging to something bigger than you? That's, that's a good question. And I must be honest with you, there was a time when I, I wasn't too crazy about the church. I uh, wasn't very happy about it, mainly because I didn't understand it, mainly because I wasn't totally, totally into it myself. I believe this, that the church is, about, is going to only be as good as you make it. Just like worship. This was one of the best worship services. I mean, it's like every Sunday keeps getting better. But I bet you that some may not have been engaged in today's a worship service. And, and, and it's, a, it's something that we are responsible for our own selves. You get worship is as good as you put into it. Amen? And, and you know, church is like that. Church is like that. And, and the body of Christ is like that. And um, it's kind of like going to school. Remember back in the high school days? You had students in high school that were all about team spirit, school spirit. They were class presidents. They would be on this team and that team, always hanging out in the office. They were into the sports, into the church. They always wore the colors. You know, they were like, you know, school spirit, school fingers, whatever, and all that. They were just cool. Then you had guys like me that just wanted to get in and get out. You know what I'm saying? And, and I had to take summer school, night school, and every other school to graduate uh, because... You know, I wasn't just one of the people. It's the same way, I think, in the church. I think that we can, there's different levels. Let me encourage you, don't be like we were in high school. Don't be just wanting to get in and get out. Listen, the body of Christ is like none other. It's different than any school, any other community organization. It is referred to in Scripture as a body. And everybody has a part. Everybody has a gift and, and something that we can do for God. And there is a community and a, a community element to it that we are to be connected to, find our purpose and, and be all. But it only happens when we get all in to the church. Amen? And this is, I know I'm preaching to the choir. We're a very healthy church. Thank God for it. But if you're new to this church and, and coming in here, let me encourage you, man. You know, get plugged in. We're going to have a growth track in September, get involved with that, and, and just find your place and serve and, and, and cultivate relationships. you got to be intentional to do that, and, and don't just, you know, get in and get out. Amen? Having said that, do you know that there's somebody who hates the church? There's someone who has hated the church since its inception. It's the enemy. The Bible calls him Satan, the devil. He has tried to stop the kingdom of God. And there's two main ways that he tries to stop the church. Number one, he'll try to take out the leaders in the leadership of the church. With distractions, moral failures, but his big one is discouragement. Do you know 1,500 ministers leave the ministry every month? 1,500 pastors hang it up every month. I don't even want to tell you the statistics during COVID. It's not encouraging. Well, only one out of 10 will actually retire as a minister in some form. Discouragement. It comes to all leaders, but it also comes to all of God's people. 
And if the enemy can't get leadership discouraged, he'll try to get you discouraged. If he can't get you discouraged, the second tactic of the enemy is to, and here's our message for today, divide the church. That's what he does. That's what he does. He, he divides and conquers. He doesn't have to come up with a new method because that has always worked from the beginning. Divide and conquer. He tries to divide churches. He tries to divide people when they start getting saved and coming into the Christian faith. He tries to isolate them. He tries to divide them. One of the nicknames for the devil in the Bible uh, is the accuser of the brethren. He is actually called the accuser of the brethren in the book of Revelation. In other words, he will accuse your brother to you. He will accuse your sister, the person sitting next to you today. He will accuse them to you. Why didn't they shake my hand today? Oh, I seen on Facebook, they were over here doing that. Why didn't they invite me? Why, why, why didn't this happen? Oh, they went and did this. And oh, they, they, uh, they, the, and, and they'll start, you have these thoughts. They don't like you. They don't, they don't want to be by you. And the, the Bible says he does that as a full-time job. He is the accuser of the brethren. How many know when the enemy, you know what I do when the enemy does that? Because he does that to me as pastor. Because I know just about all of y'all. And he tries to bring things into my mind. So you know what I say? Thank you, devil. I will now pray for them. I will now lift them up because they must really need some prayer. So the Lord will say, look at Carissa. She didn't even say hi today. and She's a deacon of the church. She didn't even come to say hi. I'll say, I'll say thank you, Lord. She must need some prayer today. Father, I pray you bless Carissa. Bless her coming in and going out. Come on, somebody. Bless her coming. Amen? That's what you do. You pray for those at the enemy. If we would learn to just do that one simple thing, man, the church would be victorious. We would be victorious. Hallelujah. But that's what's going on here in this church. Let's get into it a little bit more today. So what happened? The church was growing. Everybody say, growing is good. Growing is a good thing. We need to learn to grow. We should be growing. You should be growing in your personal walk with God. This is how you grow. You grow in your understanding of the Bible. People come to church for three reasons. Number one, to have a relationship with God. Number two, to understand the Bible. And number three, to have a healthy relationship with others. Those are the three primary reasons for the church in the New Testament, why people was coming to church. Fourth would be to impact community. But if you do those first two, three, everything else falls in line. You should be growing in your understanding of the Bible. You should be growing in your worship. How many can sense a growing in your worship? How many can sense you've been growing in your faith over the last few months? Even those of you that's been serving God for 20-some years, how many know we still should be growing in every areas of our life? Because the last time I checked, my shadow wasn't healing people like Apostle Peter was. So I think there's still room for all of us to grow. We should be growing in our worship. I remember the first time lifting my hands in church. It was like huge for me to do that. I was so embarrassed. I thought everybody in the church, it was a church like this, it was pretty big. And I thought when I lifted my hands that the Pastor Rob was a worship leader, he would say, oh, everybody stop. Eddie Markham, who's joining us today on the third row, has just lifted up his hands. I, and they were on TV. And, and I remember I thought a spotlight was going I remember that was huge. And you may be new to the church. And listen, and you see people clapping hands. You see people coming up to the front to worship. You may see people kneeling sometimes and going after God. Listen. You don't have to do it the way everybody does it, but you do need to learn to worship. We should be growing in our worship. Amen? 
It humbles us. It, 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 it is so, so good for us to learn how to wor- worship. is a powerful weapon. It, it's a powerful weapon, man. I don't want to be all day on it. But growing, growing is good. Sharing your faith. Have you learned to share your faith? These are areas that you should be learning to grow in. Share your faith. Tell somebody your story. Everybody has a story. How you came to know Christ. You may not know the day, the hour, or whatever, but everybody knows when you surrendered your life to Jesus. How did that happen? And how are you now growing in your faith? You should be growing in the fact that you live the Christian life more consistently. Amen. You're not, like I said last week, falling out of the bed every couple of weeks. Remember that story? The kid kept falling out of the bed, and his dad said, kept hearing him. He come downstairs and said, Dad, I keep falling out of the bed. How do you fix that? He says, you're just not far enough in. Watch last week's service. That was, uh, by the way, someone said, man, I can't believe you preached Ananias and Sapphira in church. I said, the Bible don't skip over it. So uh, I mean, oh, I, I can't go through the whole book of Acts and skip over Acts 5. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's not good. So. You got to, but there's a lesson in in it for all of us. So listen, growing in your faith, learning to have healthier relationships. Learn to love God. We should be growing in our love for God. Love for God. How do you love God? I remember hearing people say that you love God. I love Jesus. And to be honest with you, I, I didn't love God when I first got saved. Like I couldn't say that. Like, how do you love God? Well, I realized this. You don't, you don't just fall in love with God. You grow in love with God. This is some basic one-on-one stuff before we get into the deeper stuff. This is just, you grow in your love for God. And you only grow in love with God as you pursue God. Come on. As you pursue God. In other words, it don't just happen on its own. You have to intentionally learn to worship, learn to get in your word. It grows. It starts to grow in your faith. It starts to grow in your heart. You start growing. So growing is good. Now, that's about it. Now we get to chapter 6. The church was growing. They're united. You read it over and over again. There were one mind, one spirit, one heart. They're just taking it, man. They're just impacting culture. Then all of a sudden, three. so the church started in chapter 2. We get to chapter 6, and we get problems. So four chapters, the church was doing great. And then we have some problems. Why? Because growth brings change. Growth brings different people, and more people you have, you got different perspectives, you got problems, you got people on different levels of their faith, different upbringings, different views, different traditions, different values, and we all come into a church, like one pastor said, and God says, now you all learn to get along, little doggies. And it's a, it's a grind, it's a little bit uncomfortable, but listen, you can't have growth and comfort at the same time. In fact, one of your most uncomfortable moments is usually the moment you are growing the most. Same way in your marriage. (laughs) You grow in the difficult times. When everything's, you know, peachy king and going nice and up roses, you don't really grow in that. You enjoy that. It's the hard times when your faith is challenged, when you're persecuted, when you feel all alone, when everybody else around you is doing this and you're trying to stand for God. That's how your faith is. Why is this happening, God? Because he's wanting you to grow stronger in your faith and in your commitment. The Bible says count it all joy when you go through these trials. So the church was growing. They were doing good. And then we get to this thing about widows. 
And let me just give a little teaching here about widows because this would eventually become an ongoing ministry for the church that they would eventually begin to take care of orphans and widows. In the ancient world, uh, widows was a huge problem. The mortality rate was very low. It was not like today. Men would die uh, uh, very quickly and, and more. They, they weren't old age wasn't a good thing. It wasn't a common thing. Uh, in the Roman culture, you could divorce and would divorce at any time. You could just walk out and leave your family. It happened a lot. And so oh, and, and this just became a problem. So there was a much need for orphans and widows and the church is growing and everything's going good. And then people from uh, the, the Jews that were from not from Jerusalem, but from the Greek culture. They were Jews, or they were Jews ethnicity-wise. Their ethnicity was the same, but they were raised in a Greek culture. They had a different language. They worshipped the Greek mythology gods. They even had their own Bible called the Septuagint, which is trans the Old Testament translated in the Greek. They had their own Bible, their own cultures, their own everything, and they were coming back to Jerusalem, and many of the widows needed to uh, have some help, so they begin to join the church, and it began to cause problems because the Orthodox Jews were like, hey, we were here all along, we didn't leave, we didn't go worship these other gods, you know, so why should you be treated the same? And we started getting into these problems, and so church was then forced, the leadership was to form church government. Here's the first time we see church government with deacons and, and policies, and, and then you will, you will find that they had to even... Uh, develop a policy for widows. So let me ask you this. Is it the church's responsibility to take care of widows? Some of you are like, <laughs> yes and no. And later in 1 Timothy, the Bible, uh, Paul gives us an outline of what would happen. He's, he was give us uh, these scriptures. Verse chapter 5, he said, honor widows who are true widows. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents. This is good and acceptable before God. So they would then later begin to, uh, as the church grows and as people start coming into the church, they, they saw a need for church structure and organization. People were taking advantage of the church, of course. They were, they were not, you know, there was all kinds of problems starting to happen. So Paul began to form some policies there. A church membership is mentioned. He said, do not take a, a widow into the number, into a number of membership, unless she's 60 years old. There, there was actually a whole criteria in First Timothy of some structure. So you have two widows in the Bible. You have what is called a widow and then a true widow. A widow is someone who has no husband but has a family. They were the ones that the family should step up and help the family, help the widows out. True widows were those that had no husband and no family. And they would come to the church and God's people would take care of them. So just a little clarity on that. It's all part of church growth. As churches grow and God begins to bless us, there are, it's just not... A free-for-all. There has to be some structure and organization. This is, this is the part where your leaders really step up and learn how to do this and how to handle this problem. And it starts to, you know, cause some conflict and some disagreements with people. Uh, and it's a lot of times just out of innocent little problems. Uh, we have been, River of Life's been here 19 years. 20th anniversary for us is next August, which is amazing. Amen. We'll be 20 years old. Thank you. So, um... 
But I can tell you in the beginning, we've had some hard knots. We had some problems with growing and and I was going to tell you a bunch of stories, but I didn't think I didn't want to bore you with that. But uh, I do remember uh, a couple of them. We, we, we got together on Savage Road. There was only probably 30 of us at the time. And we needed to clean the church. And, and we wanted to do a big cleaning, spring cleaning, and do the hedges and cut the grass. And we had uh, Brother Barney was cutting the grass, doing such a good job. And um, uh, I said, well, let's, we got a plan together. And then we said, okay. So we came for the work day. And I'll never forget, I, I got these hedgers, and I went over and started cutting the hedges. And this, this one guy who was there at the, at the church before we got there, and he kind of voted us all in. He was all happy for us being there at the church. And I thought we were friends. <laughs> I thought he really loved me and liked, liked our, loved our family. And, and I remember I started hedging, and I looked over, and there he was. And he goes, that was my job. And I said, I said, okay. <laughs> You can have it. <laughs> and uh, he got, and then his wife came out and said, they're upstairs cleaning out the rooms. We were going to have a yard sale. And then another lady stepped up and said, they're cutting the flowers in the front. And her ministry, I didn't know that, was to be the flower lady of the church. And I remember we were like, whoa, 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 whoa. My dad said, okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. We all began to sit down. And thank God we were able to kind of reconcile partly and begin to try to move forward. But how many know that sometimes big problems can start from the silliest little, I just, we just wanted to cut some hedges. We didn't want to get nobody offended. We wanted God's house to look good. I thought we were all okay with it. I mean, these are just this little thing. I remember another time being a youth pastor and I had one of our youth was graduating and they were needing some tables and we just purchased some new tables for the church, some nice fold-up tables. And so... They were like, you know, we need some tables for our graduation party. And I said, well, you can use the churches. <laughs> and, uh, oh, can we? I'm going to let my mom know. And I was like, oh, okay. And the mom came and said, can we use the tables? So I was like, yeah, I, mean, I don't know why. And uh, I had no idea that there was another couple in the church that already came to dad and asked if they could use the tables. And dad said, well, we, these are the churches. We want to make sure they're not broken and stuff. And if we let you use them, you know, we got to let everybody use them. And they were like, oh, okay. I mean, oh, wisdom is, is a good thing to have in leadership. Had no idea that his son was out back saying, you want to use the tables? Come on. <laughs> so they show up to, buy the, to get these tables. They're loading them in their truck. And guess who's at the church cleaning the church? The family that... Pastor Dad said, no, and they're like, what are you doing? Pastor Eddie said, I could use the tables. And then the next thing you know, and we're here cleaning the church, and we can't even use the table. How many know what I'm talking about? And problems can start, and we start. Thank God, though, we were able to get together and say, hey, hey, you know, this is what's going on. So we had to create policies. We had to create structure and, and things before we start moving forward and God gave us tremendous grace and we've grown through that it's growing pains but we've had to grow through it thank God he's given us the grace even through a renovation we had no major problems through the whole renovation of this church isn't that amazing isn't that amazing two hundred thousand dollar I mean there were some walls that got re-sanded and painted and drywalled and re-sanded and painted <laughs> and we get some of that but uh, there are just things, and I could go on and on about it. I remember Steve Hill told a story at a pastor at a church where uh, his, the, the, um, 
There's a woman in the church bought an iron for the choir because the choir robes were getting wrinkled. And so God put it on her heart to buy an iron. And she said she went and got this iron and gave it to pastor for the robes of the choir. And she got so offended and quit coming to church after about two months. And Steve Hill said, what, what is wrong? You know, met her out at Walmart or something. And she said, Pastor Steve, you'll never believe what happened. I come to church one Saturday morning and no one knew I was there and I come walking down the hallway and I looked and Pastor was ironing his shirt with my iron that I gave for the choir robes. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. She left the church. I'm two stories. These things actually happen. I love what George Woods said. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not break. <laughs> I think that's in the Bible somewhere. It should be. So there's one and only one major point I want to give you today as we look a little bit more at how the apostles solved this problem. And I don't know this is a little bit of a different kind of a message, but we need to hear this kind of stuff from time to time. And it is this. The sign of a healthy body is its ability to heal itself. The sign of a healthy body is its ability to heal itself. This is true for your family. This is true for your business, your company. This is certainly true for the church of Jesus Christ. This would not be the first opportunity for division within the church. We're going to see it in the book of Acts. It happened a few other times when people begin to come to the church and ministry and different philosophies and different understandings begin to come together. There are some growing pains which was the title of this message, by the way, that we needed to see. So if you look at the scriptures here, how they overcame, and as I was looking for this, at how did the leadership work through this and navigate themselves through it. First thing that I want you to see, there was four things real quick that I want to give us. And number one, it is they continued to gather together. I want you to see that. They continued to gather together together. The very second verse after the complaint came, the first thing that the apostles did, it says, and then they gathered the multitude together. They said, hey guys, let's get together. They didn't splinter off and make a Hellenistic Greek church. They didn't split off and make a Jewish church. They didn't split off and make this kind of a church. They was like, no, 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 no. Hang on. Let's continue to gather together. The enemy always tries to divide and get us alone and get us, get us isolated and get us away from what God has called us to do. Even if it's, he'll use something silly as using an iron or a hedger. His goal, he hates the fact that we are coming and we are uniting together. We are growing in our faith. There are so many benefits that happens when a church. What happens when you come to church? You start, you get your heart to the Lord, you get saved, you start having God uh, begin to show himself to you in a real, real way, right? Then what happens? Then, then you want to join a team and you start serving. Oh, now, now there's accountability in it. And we all need accountability. We all, now we got people holding us accountable. I got responsibilities to do and, and we're worshiping and we're learning scripture and we're growing in our faith and we become a strong Christian. The enemy hates that. He hates that. So what he tries to do is he tries to, tries to divide, tries to isolate us and get us away from healthy relationships and get us to be the accuser of the brethren. 
You see, you bought that iron for the choir. And look at Pastor, just thinking he can do whatever he can do. I mean, he'll say the craziest things in our mind and our hearts. I remember I belonged to a, a, it was a really large church when Melinda and I first got saved. And I remember they had a ministry there that would, uh, they had a way of getting used cars and they would get these used cars and they would give them to certain people in the congregation. I don't even know the policy behind it. I just know they would do that and I needed a car. And one of the pastors at the church knew me, knew my dad, knew my family. And uh, I automatically felt like, well, I'm, I'm easy uh, a shoe-in to get this car because, you know, my family is assemblies of God and they've pastored and, and you know, and you guys just, and I, I wouldn't say it out loud, but my mind, it's embarrassing now, but my mind was, you know, you, you're happy to have me here at this church. And, and, uh, and, uh, and seriously, I did not even know where this attitude came from. Number one, I was only saved a few months. And I went to this one pastor, and I'm not going to say his name. He was a, a, an associate pastor, and I told him, you know, my wife and I, and he goes, yeah, I heard you guys are coming. I'm 25 years old. I'm young. We're a young family. And, and he's like, yeah, yeah, you know what? We'll get you a car, man. We got him. And I was like, wow. And then he just walked out. I could tell he wasn't even listening to what I was saying. That should have been a huge red flag. Two, he shouldn't have really said that, but he did. And he didn't know. I went home and told Melinda, I said, we're going to get a car. <laughs> Look at this church. I mean, look around. People giving. I know this church got a lot of money. They can help me out with a car. I mean, I'm tithing over my, I mean, you know, I'm not really tithing, tithing, but I'm, I'm at least giving something in the offering. And, and shoot, and we're young, and I could be at the club, but I'm coming to church, and Melinda's volunteering for girls' ministries. You're going to give me a car. And I remember a week went by, two weeks went by, a month went by, I remember trying to catch him in the, in the foyer. Hey, he's just busy. He's busy calling other people. And I'm like, what's going on? And then pastor got up one time at the end of summer and said, we used to have this ministry here that was uh, something for cars, they called it. God has led us to go in another direction. We no longer have that ministry. But, you know, I want you to be in prayer. We're doing All I heard was, you ain't getting your car. <laughs> Do you know that? That little issue right there almost caused me to quit, walk out. As silly as it is, I almost quit going to church, period. It was 1998. It wasn't until way, way later, I was sitting on a Saturday morning with one of the pastors, and we were talking, and, and I just brought up, it's still bugging. How I many when you got something bugging you, it'll come out? It's just there until you resolve it. And I just brought up the car to one pastor who I was really close to. And uh, he, uh, he goes, oh, yeah, that was an awesome ministry. And, you know, you had, to, you had to fill out this paperwork, and you had to really almost like a scholarship, and, you know, and then they would randomly pick your and select your name. And it was all, and I said, wait a minute, what? And he goes, yeah, yeah, we had a whole, po- whole procedure. They would get your name. They'd put it in a, a, like a, not a raffle, but they would put it in, and they would prayerfully pick it out, and you had to have this criteria and all this. And so what did you write on your essay? Don't you hate it when you're wrong? <laughs> I thought I had them dead to rights. That no good church. And I realized that the problem was me. But you know what? I told Pastor so-and-so my problem. He goes, sounds like the Lord's trying to teach you something, Eddie. And I was like, yeah, I guess he is. You know how much oil is? My car leaks oil. I drive it here every Sunday. You know how much he's trying to teach me? You know, God was showing me something out of that. Thank God I stuck in there, huh? 
thank God that I didn't take my family and just drop the ball. I'm just telling you, these are, I could go on and on, and I'm sure I could pass the mic in this room, and many of you can tell us the same issues, that sometimes it's not a big, big thing that the enemy comes against you. It's these small little offenses, these small little, little things that the enemy tries to get us offended at one another, get us jealous, and get us in competition, and get us all messed up, and, and, and we lose sight of the big picture. Second thing they did, they, they continued to meet together. They continued to meet together. Then the second thing is they, they recognized the problem. I love it. They didn't dismiss it. They didn't ignore it. They didn't say, oh, man, there ain't no really problem. No, we got a problem, and this problem is related to a racial tension problem. This is a racial problem. Let's just know that you can get saved and come into church but still be struggling with some prejudices in our hearts. Is, is that in the Bible? Is that what I just read to you? And they didn't just say, oh, we're just not going to deal with this. No, no, no. They, they didn't take sides. They didn't say, well, the, you know, you Greek people, you should have prayed to Zeus. See if he'll give you some groceries. You know, they, they didn't do that. They didn't, you know, defend. They just said, no, no, we, we got we to, re we recognized that there was a problem and they dealt with it quickly. They dealt with it quickly. I remember uh, there was a slew of classes and courses I had to take to get ordained. And one of them was conflict management and I remember taking that course and I went just recently was reflecting back on my notes from that class and getting ready for this message and stuff and I remember that they said at one time it wasn't mandatory it was like an optional class but over the last 10 years they have made it mandatory for those getting ordained you must go through it because unfortunately conflicts like this are going to happen but there is a conflict between uh, a numbering between one and five Conflict number one and two, they happen every week. They happen every two weeks. They happen when you're in line to get you a coffee and you don't get your drink the way you thought to or someone cuts in front of you and you get offended. I mean, I don't, that don't happen here, right? I don't know. Uh, it, it, someone gets your park in place. Someone gets in your seat. Okay, these are, these are minor little adjustments that, that happen in churches in any, any group. Then you got category three that's a little bit more you know, serious. You got to sit down with families and sometimes leaders and, and you got to keep uh, leading properly and letting families talk. And man, we've had some of those and they're not fun. And it's people are hurt and they're legitimate grievances and they're legitimate problems. But leadership has got to recognize these problems and you need to do it as a parent as well. And, uh, and so then you have four and five and unfortunately they're more complicated than number five I remember reading and going through this class, I couldn't believe it, but it is actually to a point where people get so offended and upset that there's no way to resolve the matter, and they split. This is what we don't need to happen to any of us. This message is just in Act 6. River of Life, we are not having any of these major problems right now. So somebody may be going, why is he preaching this right now? I don't know. It's in Act 6, and we're at Act 6. Okay, that's why it is. But it's good preventative maintenance, I think coming out of COVID, when we have come out of one of the most divisive years in my personal life ever. And I think there's still echoes of that around in our culture. We may not have a problem in River of Life like this, but we definitely have a problem in our culture. We are so divided and we're going into it again with COVID. Here we go. Mask or not to mask. Vaccine or not to... And people don't will ask you a question, not that they want information. They just want to know what side you're on. 
<laughs> it's like during politics, who'd you, you know, they'll, they'll say a name of whatever the candidate is. They don't want to know what your opinion is. They don't want to know who you voted for. It's like, what, what side are you on? And it's like, why? We are trying to get on these sides that God is not calling us to do that, to do, but they recognize the problem. Look what, quickly, that's the point I wanted to make. Quickly got to get to these problems because if not, you become a category four or five and, and then bitterness gets in. Jesus said, therefore, if your brother, if you bring your gift to the altar and, they rem- and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come offer your gift. Agree with your adversary, what? Quickly. The longer we let these things fester, the longer that woman thought about that iron. She went to Sears and bought that iron, and it was 30 some dollars, and she had a vision that it was supposed to be only used for the choir robes. I mean, and she walked in that day and thought and saw the pastor, and she's driving home. I can't believe that pastor, he could buy his own iron. Don't she know how much of a deal that was for me to buy that iron? I'm being silly, but this is real. The more we think about these problems, and the more you start thinking about my brothers and my sisters, sisters who God's brought in our life, they posted this on Facebook, or they, they did this, or they said that. Those feelings begin to turn toxic, and they interfere, and they hinder you from growing in your faith and in your worship and finding your destiny what God's called you to do. Right. Meanwhile, pastor loves his iron, and he loves his shirt. <laughs> Isn't it something the people that we get mad at the most have no idea we're that mad? And it makes you even more mad? He said, you do a quick... Sometimes leading, and we learn this from here, is simply listening and learning. They sat down. These are legitimate feelings that the Hellenistic Jews were feeling. They were feeling prejudiced. They were feeling racially uh, disconnected and discriminated against. It was legitimate. And they go, okay, let's sit down. Let's talk about it. Let's learn about this. And they, they handled the problem. Ne- next one. We've got to keep going. They stayed focused on the mission. Oh, this is so so good. They said, we need to fix this problem, but let's not neglect our mission. We have to continue to pray and be in the word. When a church loses its focus, it will lose its vision and then its momentum. Same individually. If you and I get caught off into fighting with brothers and sisters and and people of the faith, it will cause you to neglect the more important things and you're not spending time in, in prayer like you should and it starts to affect your relationship with Christ. I love what Martin Luther King said, knows all this too well was his career and his life and his purpose. He said, by opening up our lives to God in Christ, we become new creatures. This experience, which Jesus spoke of as the new birth, is essential if we are to be transformed nonconformists. Only through an inner spiritual transformation do we gain the strength to fight vigorously the evils of the world in a humble and loving spirit. Of all people, Martin Luther King knew how it was to be on the front lines and be discriminated against and hated against. We all know that in his purpose. But look how this mighty man of God operated and flowed. He understood that the strength to fight against these problems can only come from within. I heard something very devastating about the Methodist church. You might have heard about it. They are right now in a huge split because they want to become a community group and no longer a Christian religion. And the the fiery Methodists, remember their history. And you got so many Methodists upset leaving the church. 
and over that. But it, the divide is coming. You can look it up. It's, it's amazing what they're doing. They want to just, you know, look at some of the scriptures Jesus taught about, but they want to be, become more like a VFW or a, and some of these are great community things. But the church is always has to be gospel centered, always has to be missional, always has to be about the kingdom's business. You believe that? That's the only way to do it. They said, we're going to take care of this problem, but we are going to stay missional about it. We're going to continue to pray, be in our word about this problem. So they stayed on point. And lastly, they had a spirit of agreement. They had a spirit of agreement. Now, usually people stop right here. Give me a few more minutes. They stop right here whenever you hear this message being preached. And they go right on, and they lived happily ever after, and they totally... Don't look at what really just took place. When I mean when they had a spirit of agreement, listen to what they did. They selected qualified and capable people to resolve the conflict. What is qualified? What was the qualifications? There were three of them. Did you catch them? Spirit-filled. They had to have the upgrade. I said they had to have the upgrade. They had to have a spirit of wisdom. They had to be smart. They had to have a little bit of wisdom there. And a good reputation. All three of these were challenged in the next chapter. There were false witnesses coming against Stephen, and the Bible says they lied against Stephen, but they could not withstand his reputation. God knew that. That's why he said, make sure you pick someone who has a good reputation. How many know when God says, I want to put a little detail in this relationship, that you should only be uh, yoked with someone who was of faith? He's not being mean. He's foreseeing there's going to be some problems down the line if you don't lock arms with somebody who has the same faith. They would end up being a weapon. But look what they qualified people. And then it seems they were intentional on selecting leaders who first, number one, met the biblical qualifications. And then in a spirit of love, the whole church elected seven deacons. And did you catch? All seven were Greek names. There's not a Jewish name in there. All seven were Hellenistic Jews. Now, what did they do? They didn't do something like this out of a token, as we would call it. They wasn't like, well, we're having a problem with the non-Jews, so let's make leadership non-Jews. That's not how they did it. They didn't say, let's call in a restaurant owner or a professional waiter or even a race relational person. They said, we're going to pray and we're going to make these qualifications that they need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They need to be filled with wisdom and have a good reputation. And then we'll vote accordingly on them. And then they were intentional to say, you know what, we're going to, after prayer, be intentional on selecting people that are the simple minority who were being overlooked. This demonstrated they had tremendous trust and that they were also demonstrating the power of agreement. The scripture teaches very strongly about the power of agreement and this is why the enemy tries to divide so many of the church. I don't know how you're going to take this message. I don't know what you're going to get out of this message. This is just one of those messages that has to be taught and talked about every now and then. But one of the things the enemy tries to do is divide us because he's afraid of what's called the power of agreement. And we're going to end with this right now. There is a power of agreement. The Bible says it this way. One can put a thousand to flight. Two can put ten thousand to flight. It's talking about evil spirits. Did you see the multiplication in the math? One can take a, make a thousand to flight. One can overcome a thousand things. But two, ten thousand. It is multiplied. It is multiplied when we simply get together. 
how beautiful it is when brethren, brethren dwell together. And there I command the blessing when they dwell together in unity. It is so beautiful like the anointing that comes down from Aaron's head down to his beard and down to his robe. When brethren what? Dwell together. He said I show up in a special way and I bless that church and I bless that family and I bless that business and I bless that community when they stand together in the power of agreement. Amen. Jesus said again, and then we're, gonna, we're closing with this. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. As a result of this uniting together, worship team, come on up. What they did, I want you to see what happened. They made it through this. And it said because they made it through it, what happened? The word of God continued to spread. Look at that. The number of disciples increased readily. And did you catch that last sentence? A large number of priests became obedient to the faith. These were the Pharisees. If they were people outside of church. Man, we have an opportunity, guys, as we are still in the middle of this, this COVID thing, whatever's going on. This, 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 it just wearies your soul of, of seeing and hearing of everything that's going on in our culture. Don't be deceived. The message is today, don't be deceived by the enemy. Don't let him discourage us and don't let him divide us. There are certain things we need to make a stand for when it comes to Jesus Christ and him only. These are other hills that no one is called to die on. And we need to learn to just come together and say, hey, how can we resolve these differences? How can we move forward in a spirit of unity? Amen? Come on, let's stand together today. Acts chapter 6 was left in the Bible today for us to learn how to overcome our differences. They did it. We're doing it. I want us to continue to do it. You're going to get it. You, you know, let me just say this. The Bible says in James that we will all get offended. Let me just tell you, we will all get offended as sooner or later. Some of you got offended maybe today. I have no idea. What a message to hear today. Maybe you got offended. Sometimes we have our expectations up this high. That's another problem. We put too high expectations on people. And when they only come to this level, we get offended that much. You ever hear the old saying, well, they treated me better in the world before, they, before that church did. You know why that is? Because we put our expectation on the world way down here. And when they offend us, well, we didn't expect them to do a whole lot anyway, so we don't get that offended. But we come into the church world like these Hellenistic Jews did. They put the bar way up high. And man, when they didn't treat them the way that they needed to be treated and should be treated, they got hugely offended. But they had a right to say that. They were, they were being discriminated against. But thank God they had an open mind to grow. They gathered together with the leadership of Apostle Peter, and he said, we can solve this church. That's all I'm saying today. They rallied together and they grew together and they made it. Hallelujah. Amen. Now listen, we're going to dismiss and we're going to go, but I always want to leave an opportunity for prayer. Would you bow your heads right now? Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. I don't know, maybe there's somebody here that's been offended whether recently or maybe years ago, and this message is just kind of bringing some things up. God's wanting to heal that. 
wanting to restore you that. I would say surrender to that today. There's people that, you know, eventually I, I made peace with that pastor and unfortunately the leadership of the church went another direction. The church split and obviously I'm not there no more. God moved me on. But I had to check myself. It was one time when John Revere came to our church and taught about the bait of Satan. It was in the middle of that service and I thought I was free of that. The Holy Spirit came right into my heart and said, and I had a list of people in my life that I needed to forgive, a list that I forgot all about. And when I broke before God and allowed him to heal that and take that from me, I'm telling you, it's like the shackles came off. Other areas in my life that I that was being hindered and I had no idea why it was being hindered. I've heard of people getting healed because they've let others go that they had such a hatred for and it made them toxic for. Come on, you gotta let them go today. You gotta release them in Jesus' name. Release, I don't know if it's a church, I don't know if it's a boss, if it's a family member today. Listen, all of this service, don't let it be for nothing. Release them to the Lord today. You, those of you watching online, release them to the Lord right now and get your mind and your heart free right now. I'm going to open up these altars. We have altar workers here today that can pray with you today. Come on up and get prayer. If you're going to go see a, a doctor or, or got some kind of issue going on in your life, come and get prayer today. Don't leave today without prayer. Letting someone agree with you. The power of agreement today in Jesus name amen well amen and amen I pray that message was a blessing to you that you receive some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord that's our prayer at River of Life that every time you tune in and God speaks directly to your heart well this is Pastor Eddie again just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday a new message is uploaded also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of His presence, His promises, and all people. And you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.